0: Welcome to today's episode of the MedCore Podcast Network. And I'm Carrie Stevens, the chief editor of 24-7, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Chase Torres, aka the Bearded Biomed. So today Yeah. Today we're gonna to talk about the results from 24-7's um HTM salary survey that we get out every year and the results from 2021. So we we publish them in January or February, but it's actually Salaries taken from the previous year. So this was the 2021 salary survey. And yeah, I mean, we had some interesting results, I would say. I mean, the salaries were kind of up and down. Um, Chase, you've seen the results. What do you think about this? How do you feel about the numbers?
1: I think the numbers are reflective of just where we currently are um, in the field in general. Um, and of course with the economy, COVID and everything all wrapped up into one, uh, 2021 was just a continuation of what we've experienced with, you know, wage disparity, uh, supply chain issues, you name it. It's, it's been brutal for everybody, but, you know, there was some increases, um, nationwide for some of the levels of biomed, which is, you know, always good to see, um, Like I said, I I think the numbers are just reflective of where we currently are at, but the fact that we still went up a little bit is uh, promising.
0: Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting was the disparities, like you mentioned. So in the South, for instance, the salaries were a lot, a lot of them were up more than other parts of the country. So that was one of the biggest takeaways I had was just, um, there seems to be what I called in the article, a Southern boom. So these these salaries are higher there why do you think that is
1: i would probably say it's to considering i'm in the south myself um, i would say it's probably to adjust to inflation um we've had record high inflation over the past year i think it jumped uh, from what your magazine cited seven percent in 2021 and we're already looking at i think the fed actually annotated there's going to be six separate times in which the you know inflation percentage rates might go up so you know it's it's indicative of that um i also think that you know usually just in my experience the wages for at least in texas they tend to uh acclimate to the rest of the country you know after everybody has already raised there so it could have just been um, cost of living adjustments and everything too, just catching up with the rest of the country. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I think it might be.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the inflation aspect because what we wrote about was how the inflation is the highest it's been since 1982. So 40 years, we've had the highest inflation. But I mean, looking at the salaries, I have the, the data up right now. I mean, Nationwide, BMET 1s, their salaries only rose $300 year over year in 2021, despite this inflation. Um, BMET 2s, okay, they they saw a $6,000 increase, which is good. Um, BMET 3s, a $4,000 increase. The clinical engineer title, though, they actually saw their salaries go down $500 a year, which, you know, despite this inflation. The radiologist equipment specialist also saw their salaries go down $200, despite the inflation Um, and the managers. Yeah. So the average salary for managers nationwide in 2020 was 103,300. And in 2021, it was 99,800. So I mean, still a very good salary, but again, was not on par with the inflation. Um, The the directors, executives, okay, so they saw a bit of an increase, $2,000 though. So again, that's not a big jump compared to it's the 7% inflation. The That, that part wasn't reflected in the industry. Um, and another thing I thought was really interesting, and I would love to hear your take as a biomed, but most workers said they were very, had very excessive or heavy workloads, the vast majority, only 2% of the respondents characterized their workloads as light. So, I mean, that workloads are heavy I and mean, you can talk about that yeah. I mean, you're, you you're-,
1: you're preaching to the choir considering yeah. i'm in field service and field yeah. service is typically heavy workload compared to in-house hospital uh, just because we have a vaster you know region we have to cover right. um so there's always the you know notion of burnout and relocation and retention and everything that's all mixed up into it but i think a at least for me in my experience, what I've had over the past couple of years, especially dealing with COVID, um, it's, it's been high, high gear, uh, nonstop. Um, either hospitals are requiring more and more, uh, service either repair wise or, you know, it, it's been crazy, especially with the ventilators as well. Um, trying to optimize care for treating COVID patients, like I said, I think has made a boom in, you know, requiring the biomeds, uh, assistance a lot more. So that's probably helped right. contribute to, you know, being, I wouldn't call it overworked, but we've been busy. Um, <laughs> yeah. but the good thing is if you also look at the survey majority of people also get, you know, bonus pay and yeah. overtime and, you know, Overtime is nice.
0: (laughs) And the, you know, tuition reimbursement, we saw some. So all of that definitely goes into play. It's not just the straight numbers that you're seeing.
1: Well, speaking of tuition reimbursement, um, I saw actually on your survey as well that uh, the percentage of respondents who said they're pursuing actively uh, formal education. And it was, you know, 82% were saying no. So if you're a biomed and you're not continuing your education, I want you to just think about it. This is, you know, another tool in your pocket to allow you to increase your wage, but also, you know, elevate your level of, you know, service you can provide for patient safety. That includes going out, getting your Amy certifications, your CBEC for your newer guys, the cabinet, uh, the CHTM, and then go and get your degrees, bachelor's, master's, what have you. It's only going to help your career and, like I said, you'll benefit from it. So I would like to see the 82% go down, uh, next year. So let's get on that people.
0: I love that. I'm really glad you touched on that because it's a number that's been really consistent year over year. Um, personally, I've been doing the survey for six years and that's, I mean, really these, the number of recent, or, um, respondents pursuing further education really hasn't changed year over year. So it's always in that 80 something they're saying they're not. So I love hearing that. And I think that's great that you're promoting that. Um, But another thing that I thought was interesting about the survey. So even though, you know, these salaries, some are complaining, they're not going up as much as they would want and that they are feeling overworked. Most people are really likely to promote the HTM profession to others. So 43% of respondents said they were very likely, 28% said they were likely, and 19% said they were somewhat likely. And only 10% of people said they were somewhat unlikely or very unlikely. So even though-
1: They're the overworked ones.
0: Yeah, they're overworked, (laughs) right? But they, they want to promote this. And can you talk about that and just why, you know, you love what you do and what you would tell someone that was considering coming into this field?
1: So first off, the number of, you know, respondents that have said that they're either likely, very likely to recommend the field. If that doesn't tell you that this is a good field, I don't know what it is that, you know, 60, 70% say, yeah, get into this field. There's a reason for that. Um, Of course, it's challenging. Um, You always have to learn new things. You always have to adapt, mold. Um, The impact is, I think, what really drives most of us in the field, uh, considering that, you know, day in, day out, what you're doing is actively affecting patient care, patient safety. And it takes a special person to pursue this line of work, uh, because obviously we're not in it for, you know, plethora of cash. I mean, yeah, I'm always going to advocate that the biomed should get paid more for what we have to learn, what we have to experience. And, you know, I will continue pursuing that. Um, but like I said, the, the main aspect of what makes the job so special is just, we have a hand in everything. We're, you know, essentially we've been called the ninja, the hospital or the unsung hero, because, you know, a lot of times, Patients and general staff don't know that we exist simply because we're, you know, working in conjunction with the hospital professionals is making sure that their equipment's up and running, that they don't have to cancel cases or, you know, for our specialty guys out there ensuring that really, you know, specific proprietary modalities are up and running like CTs, MRIs, so that the hospital is constantly able to, you know, provide that care. Um, it's, It's a quintessential aspect of the hospital realm that really makes it worth it and i think that everybody that has responded to the survey in such a manner is you know basically echoing what i'm saying
0: yeah and and the part that you mentioned about people not knowing the field exists that's something we saw written about heavily in the comment section people were constantly saying that that is one of the biggest issues they're dealing with that you know, people just don't know the biomed field exists and because there's a lot of people in the industry retiring, that there's not that strong pipeline of talent coming in because, you know, it's a lack of awareness about the profession as a whole. Can you talk about that? And just, you know, I know you're doing a ton to promote this profession and I think it's amazing, but
1: oh, I <laughs> always, I always got the wheels turning. Um,
0: do, yeah.
1: So first, first thing that comes to mind when you talk about, you know, retirement, I know we had seen from the numbers that, you know, some people have retired, which, right. you know, we, our population is, I think majority of it being male and also over 50 years old, um, you know, is going to lend to more retirements within the next coming years, um, a lot of the respondents or at least the numbers point to that. There's a lack of upward mobility, meaning, you know, there, there's not too many opportunities for, um, technicians probably within my space that have been in somewhere 10, 15 years or so. Uh, they don't have the opportunities to elevate into that management or director position. And at least in my experience, from what I've seen, um, on the job market, um, you or, and I've heard this from several colleagues as well. Um, once our, you know, senior directors and everything, they retire. A lot of the facilities don't really want to invest in a, a younger, um, you know, biomed that's now when I say younger, like I said, they're, I'm talking about people in my area that 10, 15 years in the, in the career field, but they, typically move towards, you know, someone that is just around where the person retired at. So they'll hire them. They'll be in for maybe another, I don't know, three, five years, and then they'll retire. Um, and it's it's a, kind of like a, a, sh- a short... <laughs> A a short cycle of, you know, our older population in the field, which, you know, obviously you have to have the credentials to do this job. And that could be another aspect of this. I'm just not seeing. But um, I think the field in general, we need to do a better job of uplifting, you know, your technicians below you. And this even goes for people in the middle of the pack um, that have been in, you know, 8, 10, 12 years you know, work on elevating your biomed one, your, your entry grad, your interns, because they're the future. And I know you had spoken of too, with, you know, the fact that a lot of people don't know we exist. That's why my podcast exists. That's why, you know, um, Amy's pushing so hard to, you know, reach out to high school students, the HTM in the box, the apprenticeship programs, we're trying to funnel in, you know, new blood into the field because it's desperately needed, especially within the next couple of years. Uh, the, the fact that we need over five, 6,000 within the next few years, and those numbers aren't looking pretty good right now, that, that speaks multitudes of where we currently stand. So, you know, if anything can be improved onto the field, that's, you know, immediate, obviously, yes, everybody wants their wages to go up, but we also need to you know, elevate the next generation to move in.
0: And you did touch on, yes, what Amy's doing. I mean, how else can we elevate the next generation? What else, what are some other steps you think that we're not thinking of, or, I mean, Amy is doing a ton and I mean, we have to give them credit because they are working really hard to prevent this labor shortage. But I mean, what else can be done?
1: Well, uh, I just recently, uh, interviewed Danielle and we spoke on a couple of things and one thing that they're going to do, especially for this year at the Amy expo is, uh, they are going to have an actual presentation with different, uh, modalities of medical devices available. And they're actually going to bring in high school students to, cool. uh, check out the equipment. We're going to have different presenters. Uh, yours truly should be there as well. If everything, you know, links up correctly. Nice. Um, And that's just, you know, I think a big part of this, obviously, we all want social media and the general population to, you know, be aware through whatever engagement we can have on the Internet of, you know, biomed. But I think the grassroots uh, local reach out is a good way to start. Um, Like I said, Amy provided that information to the field. So that way they can take that presentation into any school and reach out to the younger population. Um, I'm actually going to be going to David Brottenham's uh, college this Thursday, and um, I'm going to speak with the students there and um, actually going to do a, you know, a little show on a little on the road show with them and just talk about why they wanted to get into the field and what inspired them, pick their minds and see how we could possibly you know, increase our engagement with the younger population, because this isn't going away.
0: Right. And I mean, it's seen throughout the medical field. It's not just biomeds that are with, you know, impending labor shortage. It's everywhere. Nurses, especially. Nurses, yeah, for sure. It's, you know,
1: Nurses for what you do.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because the pandemic really highlighted so much of the medical community. But it doesn't seem to have affected the shortage or maybe it's made it worse. People have left the field due to that.
1: Well, I can't speak for other professions, but I mean, I do have friends that are nurses and a lot of it is, you know, the pandemic has played such a you know, huge impact on their decisions. I mean, having to work, nonstop in the conditions they had with no value in what they were doing besides, you know, getting the the pat on the back. Um, I think that just turned a lot of them off of it. And that's why the, the traveling nurse, you know, has really benefited through, you know, the, the COVID dilemma right now. As for biomeds, um, I mean, it's kind of notorious. I mean, we've all discussed that there's always a retention issue when it comes to, you know, holding on to our, you know, our staff uh, within our hospitals and our our ISOs. And that's simply, I think it's a matter of, you know, wages, uh, cost of living, et cetera. It could be work environment. So there's always a plethora of conditions that aptly affect, you know, what a person decides to stay with the company or not.
0: Yeah. And, you know, part of this survey too, that we all, we did touch on COVID and we asked respondents, um, you know, how has COVID affected operations at your facility? And do you think these changes are here to stay? And we got some interesting responses. I mean, I'm going to read some, one person said more virtual meetings than ever before. Yes, they're here to stay. There should be more remote HTM roles when needed to bridge certain IT related tasks. Okay. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, I do believe that there has been a culture shift when it comes to engagement, you know, through video calls and everything, and they have their place. But, you know, being biomeds, at least a lot of what we can do is at the facilities right. um, from an IT cybersecurity perspective. I mean, there can be some things yeah. that we can facilitate, you know, through video calls, et cetera. Um, sometimes I could even walk through troubleshooting, you know, with a clinician on a piece of equipment through a, a video call, but at least for our field, cause I haven't been sitting at home every day on doing video calls. I've been out running here and there. So, um, I don't think it's going to affect us so much. I think it's more going to be for, you know, the senior professionals or, you know, of course, it can work on a computer cause <laughs> that's where they're at. They're on the computer. So, I think it's it's just going to it's going to be on a case by case basis I believe.
0: Okay, and I'm really glad you mentioned cybersecurity because that was something we heard a lot about in the survey. People are very concerned about cybersecurity, which I mean it's something 24/7 is covers all the time, cybersecurity. In my opinion, and I mean obviously you know a lot more than me, but I would say that's one of the top issues that it's affecting the field right now. So can you talk about that? Because that was something people really, really said. I mean, one of the questions we had was, what are the top issues affecting the field? And beyond the right to repair, I would say cybersecurity was that those two were the top two. So,
1: Well, cybersecurity has been a problem, but I think it's become more prevalent to everybody's eye because of the multitude of ransomware attacks that have been occurring. Right. Um like I said, it's been around. It's just a matter of facilities implementing, you know, those closing the loopholes. Um, I mean, in general, medical devices aren't, you know, like typical endpoints like laptops or, you know, other devices on the network that, you know, hospitals have to deal with. They're, a lot of them have to deal with their own proprietary software. And I mean, this goes back to where... IT and biomed need to work together because, you know, IT, they're not familiar with, you know, navigating medical devices. They're familiar with navigating general network infrastructures. So that's where I think we need to do a better job as the biomeds to, you know, learn to communicate with within their language and also with the clinicians and facilitate, you know, actual objectives to, you know, close these loopholes that are allowing Nefarious actors to, you know, put our hospitals into the strait, taking out systems that, you know, either have to turn away patient care or cost the facility money. I mean, a lot of facilities are, are already, you know, feeling the impact from COVID and closures and everything else. So just this is just another cherry on top that's just making it more difficult. Um, and like I said, it's been around. Um, I think it's, The scope of you on IT and biomed working together is just going to become even more important just because cybersecurity is starting to impact uh, medical device safety across the general spectrum. Um, It's becoming, there's, there's eyesight on it now. So, which is good. The industry is aware of it. We have um, more availability of companies providing cybersecurity measures, which is fantastic, Uh, My only thing is I I hope that our OEMs are taking, you know, account of what's going on right now and either implement um, better security practices in their medical devices or at least allow, you know, our hospital systems, our biomeds to, you know, better equip them so that they can protect themselves from these ransomware attacks.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And okay. And then I also want you to talk about the right to repair, which people also mentioned a lot in the survey.
1: Well, I'm not going to get too graphic because okay. I've made my stance on right to repair uh, very prevalent in a past episode, but yeah. um, like I said, I'm speaking from the HTM side. So, and I let me preface this by saying, I absolutely do not hold any you know, forfeiture or, you know, holding back of, um, critical parts, um, manuals, service keys, passwords against any of the actual field technicians, OEM technicians, because they're doing their job. They're, they're just as much a part of our ecosystem as we are part of theirs. But there's been multiple attempts to bridge the gap, Uh, between the OEM and the biomed in order to facilitate patient care. Now, depending on the area you're in, this is going to hold true more than for others. But what I have experienced when it comes to a lot of these rural hospitals or, you know, facilities that aren't under the OEM scope per se, or aren't under warranty obligation, if a piece of equipment goes down a critical piece of equipment whether surgical radiographical anesthesia what have you if this goes down and the part is not available they either have to spend exorbitant amount of money because there is no other option and the unit's already down so you're maximizing cost you're maximizing time and both of these do not bode well for the patient or the facility um i would surely hope that within the future and hopefully near future that we come to some kind of agreement. I mean, there's been, um, I would argue to say FUD arguments when it comes to saying that allowing biomeds not OEM affiliated to work on these proprietary pieces of equipment is going to danger patient safety. And my kickback to that is we are out here servicing life-saving critical equipment day in day out already your special proprietary piece of equipment is not so special that we cannot learn it and you know service it and all you're doing is just protecting your ip you're protecting your investment and your stakeholders and i understand you're a business and that's vital but i just hope that at at the very least uh, provide training or provide some kind of middle ground to where that we can optimize patient care because at the end of the day this is hurting the patient in the facility and that's what the biomed's here for we're here to provide for them we're not asking because this is benefiting in us in any kind of way
0: absolutely yeah i think you have a really good point um So to end this out, I want you to talk about why you want to encourage people to take this survey after every year and what this survey you think means to the biomed community. Because to us, I would say it's the most important thing we do. Personally, I think it's the most important thing 24-7 does every year is has this survey. And, you know, what does it mean to you and the field and your colleagues?
1: Well, ever since I've gotten into the civilian aspect of the field, um, I would say it's, you know, it's been enlightening to say the least, Um, you know, by you conducting a survey, it allows transparency and provides the opportunity for, you know, equal pay across the range of the United States. Um, This can literally be used to negotiate fair pay for everybody. Um, A colleague can look at the survey, see what they're getting paid take this HTM salary survey and say, hey, the same range of pay within my area is getting this and I am nowhere near this. Or what do I need to do to facilitate uh, getting this pay? And at the very least, it's going to open the conversation for them to give you, hey, we need you to do this, this, and this. And once you do that, then you just increased your pay. And if they don't want to accommodate that, then at that point you I would suggest either you know accepting it or looking for other opportunities that will you know give you what you feel valued um the survey has been integral in really providing you know something that we can stand on that gives us you know a, a level of I would say equality when it comes to pay in general um it, it's it's something very crucial that everybody needs to fill out because if we didn't have the survey, what are we going off of? I mean, besides, you know, the general salary increases, decreases for each level of biomed, it's also given us demographics where we stand because of the salary. We know what, what, our, uh, what other biomeds in the field are thinking. What are key issues within our field? What are the demographics within our field? So this is really giving light to not just salary disparities but it's given light to you know everything that we need to address within the field now if that's not important enough to you to fill it out then i don't know what it is, because at the end of the day this is what we need to you know improve to make everybody happy and to raise that more likely to recommend other people to get into the field so
0: thank you yeah and we encourage everyone um we'll start collecting data for 2022 salary survey in probably late November. So we encourage you to fill that out. And, you know, I know that there's plenty of time ahead, but it's it's so important that everyone in the field really gets behind this survey because we want to have the most accurate data for y'all and just to promote the field as best as possible. So, well, thank you, Chase. Um, can We're going to end this now, but can you tell everyone where to find you on social media?
1: so the bearded biomed is available on all listening platforms um you can reach out directly to the facebook page guy instagram tiktok twitter i'm everywhere you look for me you will find me and we just launched our merch store so check that out too
0: (laughs) awesome thank you well this is carrie stevens for the medcore podcast network bye everyone take care